Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Tipsy Tennis Podcast, US Open Edition. I'm at the Qualies today. I'm here with Parker. He is a... All good, all good. No worries, yeah. no worries. So we're filming it. This is a very laid back uh, approach to it. I mean, we got some matches going on. This is the second round of Qualies. Marderer is playing right over here. We got... Sabine, I can... Some I, names, I can, I'm I sorry, can't, I can't, can't pronounce, pronounce them. I'm not gonna even try, yeah. whatever. But today I'm gonna be talking with Parker. So Parker is, works for the ESPN side of things for the US Open. He's a fiber tech cam, uh, camera operator. Camera operator, he's gonna talk about it, but he also has his own Instagram page called Behind the Broadcast, where they show all the behind the, the scenes. Behind the scenes, yeah. behind the broadcast. So how you know the magic behind TV, how how sports are, or how broadcast is made mm -hmm. behind sports. So yeah. a lot of people just think you plug it. A lot of people just think uh, you know you plug in a camera and you get TV. And there's so much more that goes mm -hmm. on with that. And so uh, my page is to try and explain a little bit about that TV magic and um, help people uh, have a better understanding and it give them uh, an alleyway or an or open the door for them if they want to get into TV and broadcasting first. ESPN, NBC, CBS, stuff like that. So how long, how many years have you worked at the US Open? Uh, so this is my eighth year at the US Open. Um, I started as what they call in TV a PA, but we call them runners in live sports. Mm -hmm. So I started as a runner. Uh, I did running for like one or two years and then uh, I started, then I became a utility. A utility is, the guy that is behind the camera and he wraps the cable behind the camera. Mm -hmm. From utility, I became a camera operator. And, uh, and so, camera operator is that the guy who like goes on on court? Yeah. So like... the, the camera operator is the guy who has the camera on his shoulder. He's on court filming the players, walking them off, walking them on. So, who are some players that you've? Uh, you're good. Oh, I've I've shot every biggest player. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Djokovic, Nadal, Federer. Um, you know, I got Alcaraz right as right when he was like coming up as like a, a big player. I think mm -hmm. it was here at the U.S. Open where I think he made it to like the semifinals or quarterfinals in one of his first years, mm -hmm. and I was covering that whole thing. Um, Osaka, I saw her whole so reign, her who's, whole rise. Who's one player that you you've seen like on TV, but then when you saw them in person, they were like you. There was like maybe they. They didn't look like how they necessarily look like in, in, uh, in TV, you know what I mean? Like they, were, they look bigger yeah. or something like that. That's that's interesting. I mean, you see Serena uh -huh. and you you see how like, you know, built she is, you know, on TV. But uh, you see her in person and dude, she is like, you don't want to mess with her. Yeah, I you don't want to mess with Serena. Uh, it's too bad that she's not going to be here this year, obviously, because she retired. But um, all good. No, don't worry. Uh, but the star power that she brought to the U.S. Open uh -huh. and like all the you know celebrities that would come um, was huge. But yeah, Serena was definitely one of those people where you're like, oh man, like she she you put her in football pads, she'd do fine. You know what I mean? I got you. So what? Uh, you travel around the world. Yeah doing this right yeah so what are there any other tennis tournaments you've covered yeah so I've kind of stopped doing the world travel uh, just because it's hard to 
it's just hard to be on the other side of the country and I've got a wife and, and you know, when you're waking up, she's going to bed. When you're going to bed, she's waking up. And mm -hmm. I, did, I didn't really like it, but I have been to Rolling Garros. Mm -hmm. uh, I did Rolling Garros in like 2021, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been to Rome. Um, that, I think it was in 20, 2021. I've done uh, Palm Springs, which is my favorite tournament of them all. Nice. If you ever get a chance to go to Palm Springs, go to that tournament. What's so good about Palm Springs? Dude, they call it tennis paradise and yeah. it, it, for a reason because it's just like beautiful weather. Uh, you're in Cali. Uh, if you don't know, it's like pretty close to like where Coachella is. Uh -huh. It's about like 15 minutes from Coachella. No, Indian Wells, right? Yeah, Indian Wells, exactly, Indian Wells. Um, yeah, the weather is just beautiful weather. It's laid back, it's clean. You're not in New York City, you know? Like we're in New York where everyone's like, you know, the glamour of New York. Oh, Marta just lost. Oh, she did. No, he did. Oh, he did. Oh, I don't, see, I don't know tennis. See, <laughs> that's one thing. I work all these events. Like, ten, like it's a job for me, right? Uh -huh. So, um, you know, I don't stay up, to, stay too much into the players. However, there's a player right behind us, and there's a there's a it's a European company, and they're sponsoring all their players. The players that are sponsored by that company are all wearing that outfit uniform yeah and it's the same exact thing as the color bars that's so funny and so uh behind the broadcast is, is now worldwide and it reaches on, almost up to 200,000 followers oh wow and so i've been getting dms of people watching tennis they're like, and they're sending me pictures of these girls or you know in wearing the color bars and they're all saying like you should go out and sponsor them. You should go out and sponsor them. Stop that. Get them. You were yeah. talking about starting a podcast as well. Yeah. So maybe you can uh, throw uh, yeah, some pros like that. Exactly. Get it. So you uh, so you mentioned you got 200,000 followers, which is a, that's a lot of yeah, followers. Yeah, yeah. Tell us, like, tell us more about, like, behind the broadcast. Like, how did it get started? Are you one of yeah, the co-founders? Sure. Yeah, like, I, I the, am. The journey and, like, the crazy things you've, you've seen going through it. Totally. So... Behind the broadcast started as a small little page during COVID called Sports With No Fans. <laughs> and it started out, you said you were a ball boy, right? Yes. So in 2020, I was a utility on Ash. I was like the main utility mm -hmm. on uh, Arthur Ash, and I was doing the, the finals. And I remember sitting in giant Arthur Ash Stadium, and it was just me, a cameraman, uh, and a couple cameramen, uh -huh. like, and the players playing. It was empty, it was quiet. And I'm looking around and I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like we're living in an era where there's sports with no fans. And it was almost a joke to me. Uh -huh. And so then I started this Instagram page called Sports With No Fans, showing what it was like to be in these arenas during COVID uh -huh. when there weren't any fans around. So people could kind of see what was going on. Like the cardboard cutouts, everyone kind of remembers the cardboard cutouts that were in the stands. Yeah, that was. You know what I mean? At some point, they were selling virtual seats, so they'd put a, a, a little TV on it and paint. Exactly, exactly. So that was sports with no fans, and then uh, the fans came back, right? Uh -huh. And then I was thinking, you know, what can I transition this page to? All my following is already people in TV, uh -huh. so then I changed it to behind the broadcast, and uh, I had a video um, of a cameraman kind of working. He was using what we call a crank zoom and he was shooting the three-point contest at NBA All-Stars. And uh, that video got shared by SportsCenter, mm -hmm. House of Highlights, ESPN, nice. 
all these different pages and like overnight like my page went from like 4,000 followers to like 17,000 followers damn yeah and, and then after that it just... and then after that like I finally like I was about to stop I kept telling myself like all right 5,000 followers I'm done I'm done 5,000 followers and then after that that big hit of 17,000 then I was like re-motivated and uh and you know and then I just started like finding out the trends and seeing what my following was liking and mm -hmm. and understanding you know kind of what when to post where to post what to post and then dude it just kind of like a snowball just kind of gets bigger and bigger the more followers you get the more posts you you send you know the more shares you can get the more followers you get and it just continues to grow like that mm -hmm. and so yeah that was uh 2020 so we're coming up in like three years pretty much who's uh who's we oh, i say we you're right it's me it's just you i say we to uh, maybe i shouldn't say this but yeah i say we to like uh make it sound bigger than it is i do the same thing this thing is a one-man show yeah it's a one-man show yeah i bring people on but here's the thing you know it's it's good that you're also saying we because at the end of the day uh i think uh, even if you are doing something alone to be successful in anything, you need to be a people person. Mm -hmm. You got to work together. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like even though you're hopping in for one episode, I've, you've helped me grow. You know, grow yeah. my brand and, and and also spread your voice. And then hopefully when you get your podcast started, sure, I'll do a, uh, I'll yeah. do an episode on no, yours, and then I'll be doing some crazy stuff by then. A hundred percent. You know, I'd love to get oh, some. Uh, I know it's starting to rain, kind of good, but I'd love to get you know some of this. I'm sure you're gonna t take this f footage back and edit it and whatnot. Yep. You know, I'm love to post it on behind the broadcast and try and get some of those followers to come to Tipsy Tennis. You know, and same way to you. So same way. To I mean, you. that was pretty cool when when I first saw you and we were walking down because this is how we, we met just by complete like running into each other, just walking on the grounds, and oh, I really liked like the, your shirts. Your shirts caught my eye. Keep it. We're gonna keep and talking. So, uh, we're gonna keep rolling. Yeah, your shirts caught my eye, and then I was like. Oh, what is tipsy tennis and then you're like oh i have a page behind uh you know and so uh dude that was uh then we made it happen so all right we're, that's it yeah i got we're gonna do a vlog style now we're, we're not we're not podcasting we're vlogcasting we got, okay let's finish this under uh under a tree so behind the broadcast Behind the podcast, yeah. So it, it would be broadcast. <laughs> yeah. At the U.S. Open rain delay. Classic. Um, so, what's your favorite part about what you do? Oh, uh, my favorite part is the atmosphere of like going to these big events and then just feeling, you know, the crowd, the energy, the noise. Uh, that's really what drives me because, um, you know, I played sports my whole life. I was baseball, football, and, uh, you know, I just love, like, you know, the national anthems or I love, like, you know, uh, uh, a game-winning catch or, you know, or, uh, or a home run, you know what I mean? So that's really what kind of keeps me, keeps the passion is I, I love sports, and so I just like being out here. Um, I don't, f like. Do you play any sports? Uh, not, growing up? Yeah, growing up I was football, baseball. Nice. Where'd you grow up? Um, I grew up in uh, Park City, Utah. Park City, Utah. You ever heard of that? You ski or snowboard? Yeah, snowboard. You snowboard, yeah. me too. Yeah. I'm 
I'm, I'm trying to make it out west this uh, this season. Yeah, best snow on earth, man. Are you a good snowboarder? Uh, I used to be good. Um, I don't go as much anymore, but I mean, to the average person, I'm really good. Like to my standards, I'm not good <laughs> compared to what I used to be. So where do you work? Where do I work? Yeah, where, I where? work Give on... Us a... I work everywhere. Where's your main office? I don't have an office. I kind of, I'm like a self-employed, basically. No, I mean where? like around the grounds. Oh, on the grounds? Yeah. On the other side of Arthur Ashe. Can we get in? Unfortunately, we can't get in. <laughs> no, it's, it's locked down. You have to have a, a certain credential. I'm going to definitely have a media pass next year, for sure. Yeah. That's... Oh, I believe it, man. I mean, keep... Keep, you know, keep hustling and keep talking to the right people. Heineken Silver, Heineken's Light Beer. Heineken, we would like a check. We, Heineken, please sponsor me. <laughs> you don't even need to pay me. I'll just take free beer and promote you. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really easy to please. So, um, how well, how well do you know the grounds? I know them um, like the back of my hand. Really? I've, I've been here for... 44 days. Damn, every yeah. day? Every day, no days off. We work like 14 hour days pretty much because we're like the head of the t of all technical stuff. Comes down to me and like three other people. Nice. Um, and so- uh, That's a lot of work. You don't get burned out? You definitely get burned out, but the money and the overtime is pretty good. So- uh, uh, and then yeah all right and uh so do you work so I, you work with espn but yeah, you don't so, work for them right so i am a w-2 employee with espn but i'm not a salary guy so i have the opportunity to like go work for nbc cbs tnt whatever it is um so yeah in this instance i'm working for espn you want to walk this way yeah, let's go check out the practice courts. Yeah, let's go to the practice courts. So yeah. yeah, so my job basically here is to make sure there's connectivity for all the cameras, all the monitors, all the uh, there's like a giant like secure network that we run all that we uh, make sure all the fiber is connected to. There is all the audio equipment. It's crazy. I mean, it takes 20 days to set it up for a reason because. Um, like the U.S. Open is unlike anything else because, like, think of a basketball game or a football game. You're covering one game. Mm -hmm. U.S. Open, you're covering twenty courts. Yeah, all at the same time. At the same time for three weeks. Exactly. That's a player. Who is that? Uh, Artango. We'll figure it out later. <laughs> so we are standing in front of the practice courts. These are practice courts. No matches are usually played here. You got the ESPN booth where they do most of uh, a lot of the interviews that you see on like Tennis Channel. I mean, obviously ESPN. ESPN yeah. I think only ESPN has an exclusive right to US Open, right? I think, yeah, they do. So yeah. why don't actually, that's a very, that's a very interesting uh, topic that uh, I think you might have some expertise yeah. to kind of like teach us about. So I remember like back in the day, it was always like Tennis Channel had everything and then NBC would have the finals. Right, the right, right. And then now it's been jumping around. ESPN has jumped in there. Uh, Tennis TV does everything except Grand Slams. Yeah. Uh, what, what else do you know about like the industry that, that the public might not know? So again, like I'm on the technical side, but from the information that I received from just t talks around the grounds and how things work, 
uh, there's bidding. There's like bidding wars, basically. Uh -huh. So before ESPN, CBS had the U.S. Open of tennis, um, and then ESPN outbid them for to have for ten years. So I believe they had it from 2015 mm -hmm. to 2025. Ten years. So that contract is coming up for a whole new renewal, and there's still talks of who do, they don't know who's gonna who's gonna take it. You know, for the next ten years. Tipsy tennis. How much, how much money do you think I would need to start a network and uh, be able to bid for exclusive U.S. Open rights, streaming <laughs> rights? Oh, man. Hundreds of millions of dollars. Probably billions, yeah, to probably be billions. honest. Yeah, probably billions. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think you should go find some Saudi investors if you want to do that. How much do the cameras cost? Great question. Um... <laughs> So the average broadcast camera costs anywhere from about $100,000 to $200,000. Damn. Yeah, so. What makes them so expensive? Um, just its capabilities. Um, it's completely different than like a cinematic camera. Uh, there obviously are much more expensive cinematic cameras that can shoot in different frame rates and uh, that can handle different um, bandwidths and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But, um, but a broadcast camera is, it's the camera head that's capable of handling everything that goes on on the inside of, of the broadcast. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's also the lens. The lenses are very expensive. Like, you know. Like the glass. <laughs> yeah, the glass. Making. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I guess back there is kind of a bad example of it. But if you go into like any stadium, you'll see the cameras with like the big box lenses. Mm -hmm. So those lenses can range anywhere from 100 to like 200 grand, just that alone. So yeah. when you add that lens with a head that's worth 80 to 100 grand plus, you know, a tripod, all the controls, mm -hmm. I mean, you're looking at like a $300,000 setup, basically, on some on the nicer cameras. Damn. Yeah. I think I probably spent about like 500 bucks on this podcast in the last 12 months. Nice. Hey, that's good. <laughs> uh, I bought these mics somewhat recently. This is like the first like major expense. Nah, it's a good investment. These were Aud a pretty penny. Yeah, audio is audio is super important. I mean, especially when you're doing a podcast because you have shitty audio, you're gonna lose the interest of your audience immediately. Yeah. You're actually you're, one of your stickers is it's up in the ESPN building, slapped on one of the walls in there. Wait, really? Yeah. Oh, I'll send you a shit. picture of it. Yes, please. Yeah. But that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I get. I've been giving them around. I had some guy. He slapped it on the on like the ceiling of some place, uh -huh. so nobody's gonna get it. Oh, nice! Uh, I got That's it. awesome. Yeah, I yeah we we just started like a sticker wall this last year, and I was like, this is the perfect. This is perfectly. Yeah, yeah, this is going on the sticker wall. Have you ever met John McEnroe? Uh, I met John. Yeah, I met John. Oh, I got a good story. This is kind of embarrassing. Definitely, it's definitely embarrassing. Uh, so, my very first ever tennis gig was. Uh, was Indian Wells, Palm Springs, uh, Paribas, uh, whatever. BNP Paribas. Yeah, BNP Paribas open. And um, <laughs> this lady's gonna stand right in the middle. So I'm just a PA runner. This is about like eight years ago or so. I don't know shit about tennis. And uh, I get asked to, to pick up um, Chris Everett and take, like, take her from like, it was like, take her from like the broadcast booth or something to her car and drive her to the hotel. And uh, I've driven, at this time I've driven many people like Randy Moss, like a bunch of Monday Night Football people. Oh shit. 
and uh, and I had no idea who Chris Everett was. And I asked her, I asked her, so, like, so were you a tennis pro, or did, you, or are you like more of like a, uh, you know, like a media, a, yeah, media analyst, you know, and and there was a person in the back that just started laughing. And I was like, oh my god, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> embarrassing. You walk into our hotel. There's like a 40-foot poster of Chris Everett swinging, <laughs> swinging a tennis racket. And, and uh, the guy who was in the back goes, see that poster? That's who you asked. <laughs> they, they played tennis. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I was like, I know, like, I know a lot about sports. Tennis, I didn't know anything. Wait, so how did she react when you asked her that? She was just like really like nice like about it. She's yeah. like, yeah, I was pretty good. You know, I feel like so like nonchalant, like that's so cool. Yeah. You know, I feel like uh, because like listen, uh, there are plenty of like basketball players or football players or soccer, like plenty of athletes that like are very like famous. But I just I just don't know. Yeah. And if you don't know, you don't know. And, and no, I feel yeah. like for them, it's like maybe a bit of like a, a relief. It's like okay, thank God this person doesn't know me. Uh huh. So it's like. Like oh okay cool you <laughs> yeah, know, you know, instead yeah. of like somebody like fanboying fangirl. Yeah, right yeah I, I I probably agree with that yeah it's, it's probably a nice change of pace for them. Has there have there has there has there ever been a time where you were a camera operator where you saw somebody and you were like nervous like were you nervous seeing Federer? The very first off? time yeah uh, was it had to have been Federer yeah I was I was walking him down you know like this. And I, I do remember that. I was like, don't mess this up. Don't mess this up. Don't mess this up. You know, don't trip. Don't like, uh, I was luckily on the RF camera. So that's like the wireless cameras. Uh -huh. RF stands for radio frequency. Not Roger Federer. Uh, and Roger Federer. Yeah. So I didn't have a cable behind me, but you know, there's just, you, when you're, when you've got a player like Roger Federer, Alcaraz, Nadal, there's like a mass amount of people around, yeah. and usually the TV guy has the rights. Uh -huh. So you're like right in front of everyone, like walking him back, and then there's like a crowd of people, and like it's so easy to like step on someone's feet. Or so I was pretty nervous, and that was like right when I was starting to become a tennis cameraman. Uh -huh. That was still to this day one of my biggest moments. Um, and then I then I did a bunch of like shooting Nadal and Joker at Roland Garros. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it was it was fed, fed in in Par Paribas. Have you ever made any mistakes? Like, uh, on air mistakes. Uh, do they cut it out if you do, or do they keep it rolling? I guess it's so. How wait, wait, wait actually? Yeah, how live is live? Hundred percent live. Really? Yeah, yeah. Are you are you just saying that? No, it's hundred percent live. I mean, so the delay. It's got to be like at least what five seconds, ten seconds. So from when it gets to your house, depending on what like what system you're getting your stuff from, is it a cable box? Is it satellite TV? You know, is it straight fiber from streaming? Like, like streaming? Yeah. Nowadays, browser. streaming internet's that's the fastest actually. It used to be like the slowest, uh -huh. um, or on your phone or whatever. Yeah, it, I mean it's within a five second t time span. Wow. So you're telling me if I streak, people will see me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna run and like I'm gonna be wearing like. But, he, but here's the thing, is so let's say Ash, right? There's like 20 cameras, so or there's more than 20 cameras. Let's just say there's 20 cameras for all intents and purposes. So 
if there's a streaker or something, we're taught not to shoot the streaker, number one. And number two, the director is watching all these cameras live. Uh -huh. And so he can take whatever camera is live, if that makes sense. And he can like, I see. So if they see it in one camera, that camera may be capturing it, but it's not the one that's on the main right. screen at the moment. Right. And so it just kind of like. So then the director can go to the one that's not showing the, the streaker. But you know, you might get on for a couple seconds and then they'll take it away. Here's the thing though, in this day and age, you got everybody's phones. Yeah. And so, you know, Nothing goes unseen. No, you will point. be, you'll go viral immediately, that's for yeah, sure. for sure. Maybe not on ESPN, but you'll be somewhere. <laughs> like, so here at the US Open, we have well over, like, probably over 100 cameras around the grounds. Um, only? Only, yeah, only. I'd, I'd, I'd guess, like, 200. I feel like three cameras per court. Maybe for ES, yeah, so there's... Three cameras times 20, <coughs> I guess that's 60, and then... The, the, All the extra the ones. The stadiums yeah. probably have more, and then some courts have a little. Yeah. Yeah, actually, no. 100 sounds about right. Yeah, 100. It's it's around it's around 100, I believe. Um, so 100 times 200,000. For what? At least. Oh God, yeah. 200,000 uh, dollars. Yeah. The money is like. That's what 200 million. The money is disgusting. Damn. Yeah, and then they complain about us having overtime. I'm like, <laughs> all right, <laughs> maybe take one of your hundred cameras off the grounds and. <laughs> and pay me a little bit more money. So the U.S. Open doesn't own any of it. Everything is basically contracted out to these other companies. Yeah. So the U.S. Uh, the USTA. USTA. They contracted out to ESPN, and then ESPN has the broadcasting rights, and then uh, ESPN will bring in another company uh, called Gravity Media, mm -hmm. and they'll handle a lot of like the the technical stuff, the broadcast stuff. Um, They'll bring in all their own equipment. They'll bring in like, uh, like all their the software, all the systems that run a broadcast. I'm trying to figure out who's here. I don't know who's. Somebody, they walked on. That's why I came here because the practice courts the are the first courts that are, that are gonna get played on before oh, yeah. match. Right. They're gonna wait until the. What, what time do you come here in the morning? Are you first one in? Me yeah. today? No, I came late. I had to. My, I had to pick my car from the mechanic. It was. Uh, Dang. Yeah, it was a bit of a late, late start. Good morning. So, yeah. being and I'm leaving early though. I'm going. I'm going to a tennis event later. We uh, live tennis, live breathe. Yeah, Racket Racket Mag is hosting a an event uh, for the during like this week. Yeah. And I RSVP'd, and I'm going, and I'm going to see some uh, some players tonight. Yeah, nice. Have a, maybe have a drink with a couple of them. Yeah, you should. That's that's the goal. That's what. So that's that's the thing. How many? What? Who's the, the coolest player you've had a drink with, or biggest player, well-known player? So this Any? is a story that uh, I haven't told really anybody. Really? Do you want? Do you want to do yeah, it I with tell, me here? I, tell. I, I yeah, yeah yeah. I just do. I keep I keep I keep things on the down low. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, and I and I had to because I also I wanted to respect this player's privacy. Yeah. But this was uh this is I think it's been long enough. So last year, uh, I had a mutual friend with Nick Kyrgios. Oh, and so the bad boy himself. I met him at a club at Harbor, in in the city on like 50 on the west side. Uh -huh. I think like 59th Street or something like that. Sure. And so, uh, but here's the thing. So I wasn't part of the party, but like you know, I came to say hi. Yeah. 
uh, and but you needed a VIP bracelet to get in. Yeah. So uh, and I didn't have one, so, and I was like standing by the door, and I, I stole one from behind the desk, and then went up to the went up to the club nice. to go see Kyrios. That's so sick. And I remember I'm like I'm I'm walking in, and I'm wearing these shoes. I'm wearing my Jordans. Yeah. I walk up. They're at a table. It's like a it's like a couch, you know, like you you yeah. shoot with a table in it. And I see him and he stands up, he bends down, fixes the tongues on my Jordans, <laughs> and then puts his hand out Damn and he's like, yo, I'm Nick. <laughs> and I'm like, oh shit. So these shoes have been touched. Those are, those are the lucky shoes. These right are the now. lucky shoes, these are the lucky Jays. It's Kyrios touched these shoes. That's awesome, that's a great so, story. Yeah, no, I, I found out about it and I went to go check it out. And I was hanging out with him. You know, I was literally, si I was sitting here he was sitting right here, and, and we're just chatting. We're just chatting. Really? Yeah. It's just like he's like, I'm like, yeah, I'm from, I'm from, I'm from New York, and he's like, yeah, I'm from Australia. I'm like, so, so you were kind of like downplaying that you like knew who exactly. Who yeah, was. you know, I mean, I was just kind of talking to him. He didn't know. I mean, he assumed, you know, because I feel like most people are like, yo, can you get a photo? They're yeah. like, you know, they don't, they don't. Uh, they're like, oh, yo, nice to meet you, Nick, or something like that. Uh, yeah, you know, exactly. I never asked. You know, I never asked for stuff. I was just like, you know, because I already know. And I was, yeah. You got to be chill with these guys, so you know. Totally, yeah. Because that's, that, that's what they want to hang out with. It's Thiago Monteiro. He's a he's a Brazilian player. He lost. He lost. He lost yesterday. He lost on uh, two days ago or something. So if he lost, how did he? Uh... I was there, bro. He lost. I think it was like 11-9 in a third set tiebreaker. Really? All right, well, it's raining pretty hard. Yeah, man, this has been a great interview. I'm, I'm super happy we ran into each other. I can't wait to see some of what we just talked about. Yeah, we've we got some good stuff over here. You know, you want to get another? Are you? What's, what's your work schedule like? Are you going back? No, yeah, I'm just chilling. I'm here all week. But if you want to keep, keep going, we can keep going. So you, we're still rolling, right? What? We're still rolling? Yep. So, it's so cool. <laughs> I mean, you've been here actually before. I grew up here. I used to play in the indoor center as well. So I've been here since I was like 10 years old. Okay, yeah. So years. when the night session becomes the day session, and then like, there's so many people out here on this golf course. And it's like shoulder to shoulder with like thousands of people out here. And everybody's up here watching the big screens. Yeah, I have a feeling that this year's main draw is about to go hard. Oh yeah, it's gonna go harder than any other year before. Well, because they're hype. They're trying so hard to hype it up. Like ESPN, USTA, they're they are putting in so much money this year and time to try and hype it up. And I think it's because they realize like they've so lost Serena. So they've lost like their like star factor pretty much. Yeah, and also. And so now they're trying to blow up guys like Tiafo and Alcaraz. Because and... back then tickets used to sell themselves because everybody wanted to see Nadal, Djokovic, Federer. Yeah. And now it's like the kids are out. People here. are willing. Like, people want to see Alcaraz, but like not as bad, not nearly as badly as these other guys. Yeah, exactly. Still the only other, and then also yo, Kyrgios isn't playing. Yeah. Kyrgios is always... Wait, well, so is Kyrgios hurt or... Yeah, he's injured. Or did he not qualify or something? Nah, he's injured. He's injured. But, uh... Is it still the same injury that he's been battling with since, uh... Since, uh, Wimbledon, right? Uh, yeah. Stevie Johnson is behind us. He's a doubles player, right? No, singles. College player as well. 
got a mustache. <laughs> Pretty cool guy. He got a wild card challenger winner into the main draw, so he doesn't have to qualify. Maybe he, I think he's maybe injured or something like that. He's playing uh, Fritz, Taylor Fritz in the first round. Oh, that's American it. American versus American. American. American or American, dang. Uh, so who are you thinking is going to take it um, uh, this year at the US Open? You know. What's your picks? You. I think Joko. Yeah. I think Joko and the reason and the main reason why I think it's it's kind of like a coin toss between him and Alcaraz obviously. Yeah, that's what I was I say think too. Medvedev might sneak his way in there and for, play like a maybe a five setter against one of these guys, yeah. but I think uh, I think both those are the contenders, but the reason I say Djokovic is because I mean, number one last week, he proved it in Cincinnati right. that he's the fucking goat yeah. by winning that ep like that fucking epic match. Right. And towards the end, Alcaraz, his hand started cramping. Uh, oh, and really? And there was at some point where he was like stretching and he hit a two-handed forehand uh -huh. in like a, in the third set tiebreaker or something like that because like his hand, his right hand. And I'm like, yo, it's it's not as big as like what happened as, at French Open yeah. when he was like completely cramping, but it's like that's such a bad sign. And like, that was two out of three sets. And jo and here's the thing with Djokovic, he can go all fucking day. Yeah, yeah. Like this guy does not <laughs> give up. And even when it looks like he's like he's gonna lose, yeah, he just figures out a way to win so many times. He does. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a pro probably a pretty good, pretty good guess at Djokovic. I was also thinking, well, so is Djokovic and Alcaraz on, on opposite sides of the bracket? Or do they have they set the bracket yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they one have. and two seed, so they're opposite. Yeah, they're opposite. Um, you know, there's always guys like, is Varev in it? He's out. Uh, I mean, I saw him practicing. He's yeah. he's good. You need. Here's the thing, good is not good enough. Yeah. yeah good so, you think, so you think Medvedev, Alcaraz, and, uh, and Djokovic are just the elite? Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't. I don't what, even. FAA? Nah, no shot. No shot. FAA. No shot. He bro, he's probably gonna lose like fucking first or second round again. He always. He always does this at the U.S. Open. What about Big Flo? He can. I don't know what the draw is, so this is just kind of like throwing it out. Yeah. But he, I see. I can see him making like a quarters run. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. I, I would say semis. Because here's the thing, with him, the entire. His he's got home court advantage. Right. And at New in New York City, yeah. let me tell you. It's going to be lit. You want home court advantage yeah, when you're yeah, playing here. Yeah. The crowd gets so fucking rowdy sometimes. You'll, the court will be on like on one side, and you're, you'll hear it on the complete other side. Yeah, right. And especially in these like packed stadiums. Yeah. Like everybody's like he's gonna be pulling he's gonna be pulling in a lot of people so yeah. with that you know with that also playing into account i guess you know a semis run would be semis run is is could be on the horizon i mean you know one match at a time you know because one thing that i always i don't like to really call too much as well i mean it's fun to kind of speculate yeah especially if you gamble yeah um i don't i don't do you do uh, only in New York, just only to make like these days a little bit more fun, and they go by faster. Like I'll put money on some of these. That's that's a great idea, especially on days you're just waiting around. You just throw twenty bucks here, twenty. Yeah, DraftKings, like that's, what, that's yeah. That's funny. I don't so, have a book or anything, but you know, DraftKings, 
Just for fun. Yeah, but like, so the thing about speculating is like, you could talk about how they're playing on core and their performance, but at the end of the day, there's also, these are like, these are people and they have the life on court and off the court. Right. And if like life off the court can get in the way sometimes. You especially, see, you, especially in like tennis where it's just so high, hyper-focused sport. There's no, you never get subbed out. You're, there's, there's nowhere to run, there's nowhere to hide. You carry everything, you know, with you. Yeah. And so, you know, I would love, you know, so take that with a grain of salt, you know, whenever you hear speculations. Yeah. There's also one bad day, like, I don't know. It's so, it's so easy to, like, you need to be really mentally tough and all of, the, I'm, all of these players are mentally tough. Right. Anybody who's playing here. But some are, you know, are, are stronger than others, and sometimes, like, uh, uh, you know, your 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 mental can be a little bit like get a little bit sensitive. Yeah. Oh and, yeah, hundred percent. You know, you see players. I mean, I, my friend saw like Cipriani broke a racket during during uh, practice. Oh really? So one of my friends picked that up, and so it's like, yo. Are you like he's breaking your racket? He's, I don't know, something's maybe, not. He's just frustrated with like something. Maybe uh, Bedosa and him are they're on a break. Uh, like, she's like, listen, baby. You heard it first. <laughs> when we're in New York. Listen, baby. <laughs> she's Spanish. <laughs> I can be Greek, whatever. Hey, que pasa, Stefanos? <laughs> uh, yeah. focus on Joyce Hoffman. Dude, whatever happened with team? He's playing Bublik in the first round. Oh, he's here. Yeah. I feel like he was like. He's this, been struggling. This crazy player for a couple years. He won, he, it in the, he won it in 2020. Yeah. Literally, when you started. And that was the match. That was the match when I started Sports World Fans. It was Yo. Team, I think it was Team Zverev, right? Yes. That's what it was. I remember that was actually, I used to gamble, and I, I won like $1,000 off of that one. Oh, really? Because I, I bet on Team to win the tournament before that, it started. That was a crazy match. Yeah. So crazy. It was like what 10-8 or something in the in the third, yeah. Or fifth set tiebreaker. It was so. Zverev had it. Zverev had it in the bag. And then yeah, like, Zverev with that 60 mile per hour serve, <laughs> and then team fucking standing all the way back here to return it. I'm like, dude. They were both of them were so they fucking were gassed, nervous, dude. And they, they were gas and nervous yeah, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They wanted it so bad. Yeah. They wanted it so bad, and team just. I had team's dad on the podcast. Really. And I went to Austria to visit a friend. Um, and uh, and so I knew Offner. I had a mutual friend with Offner, so I hit Offner up. He's another Austrian player. I'm like, hey, I'm in Vienna. I'm looking to play some tennis. Where you know, where's your club? Or you know, who can, sure, do you know yeah. anybody I can play with? He's, I played with him when he came to New York one time, double. So he knows I'm I'm a solid player. Yeah. So it's like, oh yeah, go here. This place called Treiskirchen, and it's like a little bit outside of Vienna, like 45 minutes. He's like, oh, it's kind of far. I'm like, no, 45 minutes, that's, that's fine. I, I drive like an hour to Long Island to practice. Like, right. this is... So I'm like, who's gonna be there? It's gonna be Ricardo B- B- Boletti and Wolfgang Team. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> Wolfgang Team is, is gonna be here? Just name Wolfgang, that just says it Wolfgang. all. Wolfgang, <laughs> that's how they say it in, in German. So I pull up, so he's like, okay, go there Wednesday morning, I pull up. I don't have a, listen, I brought my shoes. Yeah. I was backpacking, I, I had a carry-in, so I couldn't bring a racket, yeah. you know, on these small, like, you know, European flights. Sure. So I just, I pulled up, I had, I was wearing tennis clothes, I didn't have a racket, and I'm like, hey, and he's like, the guy's like, hey. I'm like, um, I'm here to play tennis. <laughs> and he's like, who the fuck, 
yeah. He didn't say it, but in his head, he's like, he's like who the fuck yeah, is this like, guy? Who is this guy? He's like, wants to come play with me? He doesn't have a racket? Especially because I'm American. Yeah. And this is like outside of Vienna. This is not a tourist right. spot. Yeah. And he's just so confused. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm friends with Offner. Uh, you know, he told me to come. And then he's like, what? And then he called him. He's like, oh, okay. He told me about it. Uh, uh, he's like, he mentioned it, but he never told me what which day you were coming, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He's like, okay, so what do you want to do? I'm like, oh, you know, I play a match, play, hit a rent a, a lesson. So I'm like, uh, uh, I'm like, sure, a lesson or something, or like train with the guys, because there's some ITF pros who were there training. They're uh -huh. like, you know, got a few points. Uh, I, I borrowed a racket, played a little bit. But so Wolfgang wasn't there at yeah. the time. It was this guy, uh, Rico. So I'm like, shit, I really wanted to run, run his Wolfgang and get an interview with him at the club. Right. That, was, that was the goal. He wasn't there. I'm like, shit, okay. I go back, I went skiing, and then I'm back. I'm like, yo, can I, I want to play again. He's like, all right, come this day. I'm like, okay, cool. And uh, Wolfgang was supposed to be there again. No. And he wasn't there. He's like, no, he's at the other academy with the other people. So I'm like, shit, I really. So then I ended up, I, I played a match against like a couple, this one guy I lost, I think like 6'2". <laughs> yeah, and then I yeah, and then and then I got Wolfgang. So then I just reached out. I'm like, yo, can we do a virtual interview? So I hopped on a Zoom call and landed it. And then I'm gonna have a uh, Kovacevic. He's an American player. Yeah, I know that name. He grew up in New York. He's from Manhattan. He was All a ball right. boy for the U.S. Open as well. No way. Uh, and then we pl I played against him when we were like 14. So I've years got old. actually, I don't know. You probably had podcasts about being a ball boy and whatnot. A little bit. It's like a secret society. Like, what? How do you become a ball boy? Like, is there hazing? Is there like? Uh, so the like, way you become like, there's a, for sure a pecking order. Like, there's like the way you become a ball boy or ball girl or ball person. Person, right? Because we're all people. We're not all necessarily boys and girls. <laughs> we want to be inclusive. Ball people. It says on the credential as well. Ball people. Ball people. We'll use the official term. <laughs> so. Uh, the way you become a ball person is in June. They have tryouts, usually like the third week of June. Yeah. They do a little bit of advertising. Um, you could usually you can usually just like Google it and find it online. Yeah. Uh, and so when they the tryouts, you'll have maybe like three four hundred people show up, and they only take about a hundred. Really. And. Back when I tried out, we were throwing the balls. So they wanted to see if you could throw, if you could run. Oh, you know. I was just about to say this, because I've seen some of these ball kids now, ball people now. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> like you can't, even, you can't even scoop up a ground ball. Like, yo, what is going on? So I got to, yo, Zikos. Yo, this is perfect timing. This guy is a fucking ball boy legend. Right here? Yes. Yo, so we're talking Actually, about ball. Actually, kind of maybe he looks so You Parker. have definitely Thanks. seen this guy before. Uh, yeah, because I used to be on Nash all the time. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. This is Zikos. Yeah, so this is me. Hi, I'm Nick. I was just asking Nick, him. Ball boy <laughs> legend. Regular guy. Regular guy, yeah. So I'm uh, I'm on so, like the broadcast side of everything. I work for ESPN. Awesome. And I've been to a bunch of ATV tournaments. I've done eight US Opens and things like that. So I ran into him, and we were kind of talking about it, and I was like, dude, I'd love to come on your podcast and talk a little bit about it. Uh, and so I was asking him, you know, uh, is, wh how, what does it take to be a ball boy? Like, is it a secret society? 
and then he was starting to get into it, and then he saw you, and he's like, we gotta get. Yeah, uh, I mean, first off, I grew up playing tennis here. This yeah. is where I learned how to strike balls. Thank thankfully, I, was, I, I live 15 minutes away, and Boris Hill's very close to this place, so I just grew up playing tennis here, um, and then it was a thing that kids used to do. It would just be like an automatic, you'd have summer camp, and then you would just transition into being a ball person. So you would have people from all around Eastern, from around the country, from around the world, really, that would come. Athletic. Been here for decades, some people. Families. Yeah, I've seen some grown men yeah. out there, like yeah, yeah, 30 yeah. years old. I'm like, and well, they're 60, 70. Yeah. 60, 70 year old It was a grind. You had to be good. You had to work hard. You had to really kill yourself to get even some decent courts. Right. It yeah. was hard. I got shit courts. I never got ash in four years. Really? Never. Four years? You never got it. I never got it. You never got an ash. No. You've been on ash. Yeah, bro, this guy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've this seen guy it. has a bed on on the side of ash. He's oh. like, he goes to sleep and then they call him in the morning. He's like, all right. I mean, listen, I, I love. This is the best two and a half weeks in the world. I I tried very very hard to, to just work hard every every point. Like it was just fun. Yeah. Especially throwing the ball when we threw the ball. Yeah, so Things we were talking about that. So when we tried out, we had to throw the ball. They wanted to see if you could throw, catch, run, and you also knew the general rules of tennis. Uh -huh. uh, so they would do the first tryouts, make the first cut. They would do callbacks in July, and then they, you know they do a little bit. You know they do it again. They do like small tests, just kind of like throw. This yeah. they're a little bit more critical. Right. And then they make the final cuts. And so in the beginning. You could, you would be brought in during the qualies, and you could still get cut in the qualies. Good point. It was like a big thing. Yeah, like, they would qualies cut would be like, oh, maybe you get in, maybe you don't. Oh, like it was exciting. Yeah. You wouldn't find out to end the qualies if you got your bag, which is the rest of your like polo outfit. Yeah. Because if you were a rookie, they the rookies I, I only they got a shirt. Yeah, they didn't give you like shoes, shoes and pants, yeah. so you had to wear your own. Yes. And like if you made it, like you saw bags lined up with names on it, and they're like, oh, you made it, here you go. Or some people didn't. Yeah. People That's crying. Awesome. Like, oh, yeah. It's a big thing. Yeah, I wonder how they do it now. I'm sure not like that. I think they, get, they definitely get the whole uniform from day one. They get yeah. the whole uniform. They got bags as well, backpacks. Backpacks, cool. Yeah. Listen, yeah, Polo like does a thousand, great job. over $1,000 worth of polo gear. Polo does a great job. They have fantastic. I mean, I still have all of my, oh, yeah. you can imagine. And what, it's still in great so shape. What year did you start and how old were you? I was definitely 14. I think 2005. 2005, oh, we yeah. probably check out. I did 15 years. 15 years. Yeah, 15 so, years. You're not doing it obviously this year. Unfortunately not. Uh, it's been last year. Been my third year not doing it. Okay, yeah. We were for sure on Ash together then. I was, oh yeah. Yeah, I was the cameraman on Ash. And where, where in Ash? On the in the uh, pit? On the ground, on the floor. Which which, the uh, which position? Like, right by the umpire. Chair. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah, that's funny. That's small world, though. You know, yeah, small world. Small world. Well, you should uh, try out. You should try. You should do the tryouts of it. I don't know, man. I've it, seen. They put in a lot. Of, some of those kids, man, or people, they're putting in a lot of effort, just running across the court to pick up that ball. <laughs> Yo, Jimmy Butler was a ball boy yesterday for the for that All Star game. That's pretty funny. Uh, was he? They yeah, had him out there. Jimmy Butler and Alcaraz are tight. Every time, every time uh, Alcaraz plays Miami Open, but Jimmy Butler's in his box. Really? Really? Yeah. I wondered what the Jimmy Butler Alcaraz like connection was. But he played with Tiafo, yes. I think, in yeah, that yes, last night. yesterday. Yeah, probably Nike. Yeah. Probably facilitated I mean, just, it, or just also top, top athletes. athletes. Yeah, top, top athletes, top athletes in, in the USTA again. They're trying to blow up yeah. tennis. They're really trying to make tennis bigger than, you know, kind of what it is that 
you know, on a, na on a more American level rather than national. National is still, it's huge. Like, I had no idea how big tennis was until, like, I went to Roland Garros. Really? And I was like, wow. Yeah, because, like, in America, we have so many different sports. That's a good point. And, like, you know, and our main sports are football, baseball, basketball. Have you ever played tennis? I've tried. Pickleball. I'm picking up pickleball. Oh, Don't get me started on pickleball. We're not involved in the whole I need a few drinks before I'm going to start talking about pickleball. That is, uh, that's going to be rowdy. Listen, I'm sure it's fun. I hope everybody loves it. I'm a tennis I'm not gay, personally. I'm a tennis purist. I'm a sport, but I haven't played it. If I played it, I'd probably fall in love with it. Is pickleball ruining the game? I don't know. I mean, listen, I'm happy if people play more racket sports. Go to sport eventually. It is a win in the racket sport thing, but the only issue comes is taking over, like, tennis courts for it. Because, like... Oh, yeah, a lot of tennis courts are being, like, taken out and replaced with pickleball courts. Yeah. In public. Yeah, in like, public. Yeah, they'll too. put up lines on the court and just roll in a net and stuff. Whereas yeah. like Padel, for example, or ping pong, there's no beef because like you're in your own space. Yeah. They're, getting, they're coming into our space. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're in your space. I even I covered a tournament. It was a A APP Association of Pickleball Perverts uh, <laughs> tournament. It's a pro tournament, uh, and they held it here at the U.S. Open. This is like uh, probably in July. Yeah. Uh, and I got I got to see uh, some of the pros play. Was, yeah, I was in a. The pros are legit. The pros are legit, but it's a sport like any sport, though. Yeah, it's I'll, like the uh, hockey sack guys. Uh, what are, cornhole? Cornhole. Those the guys. Those guys. guys. Those guys are good, man. There's a technique, you know. It's, yeah. You can't just the darting there's a, too. There's a technique. The darts. Have you guys ever watched darts? Uh, darts are insane. Oh my god, these guys are unbelievable. Pinpoint. And then they get a 180 across, like yeah. I'm like yes, I, I could get them. I could get behind this. I've talked to some like the the British cameraman that because darts are huge in England. Sure. In the UK, sure. and I've talked to some of them. They're like, "Mate, it's one of my favorite sports to work." He's like, "The atmosphere here is amazing. Everyone's drunk, and like when you know, everyone like when you're throwing darts, like the crowd is hyped. It's a party. That's funny. So, all right, guys, amazing being hey, here. Nice meeting you. You know, I I'm think glad to finally you know, formally introduce myself. And yeah, have yeah. A conversation with you. That's that's a good stop. Let's, uh, on the count of three, we're, we're, we're ending the, the, the episode. One, on the count of three, we're going to say uh, stay tipsy. Thanks, right. Zoni. We okay. got uh, Parker. What's your last name? Rattan. Rattan? Yeah, Rattan. Just say Rattan. Parker. No, just say Parker from behind the broadcast. We got Parker from behind the broadcast. We got Z Nick. Yep. From, uh, from Queens, New York. Queens, New York. And we got yours truly, Mr. Tipsy Tennis Podcast himself. Uh, on the count of three, we're going to say stay tipsy. Ready? One, two, three. Stay, Stay tipsy, tipsy, baby. <laughs> Ooh, that was fun. That's fun. Awesome. We talked a lot about a lot of different things. Oh, That's man. Good. It's a 50 half people.